Podcast One production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Adam McDougall is a health and fitness economist, and in each episode, he hacks into a topic to make health and fitness simple and easy for you. And I'm Alex, Adam's producer, and I act as voice of the people for all of us asking questions to help us apply Adam's hacks to our lives. And this episode, we're going to hack into veganism. And Adam, we love hearing from our tribe. So if you have a question for Adam on a topic you want us to hack or just anything around health and fitness, reach out at themanshake.com.au or at the Manshake socials. And Adam will send you a Manshake or a ladyship shake pack if your question makes the podcast and adam this has come up because your socials were going off because of the documentary that came out called game changes about veganism and i know this divides not only health and fitness um, professionals but it seems to be dividing the general public as well so you're going to dive into it in quite a lot of detail I am, mate. It's a food war, literally. Like people are out there now. It reminds me of the dark old ages where, you know, um, religion, you know, seeing people's <laughs> yeah. beliefs um, have them basically hung upside down and burnt to death. And that, that's what's happening with, you know, the, the the vegans versus the carnivores. So they're both hating on each other at the moment and they're both um, saying they're the devil and uh, we shouldn't eat any meat. And then the other people are obviously saying that um, people that just eat vegetables are wackos. But uh, my personal position in this whole argument is I'm not an omnivore which is someone that just eats meat, essentially, or a herbivore, someone that just eats plants. I'm what I call a nutrivore. And a nutrivore is a term I like to use, which is a made-up term, which essentially means I eat for nutrition, Alex. And I think that's what we all should do. However, I'm not going to begrudge someone for wanting to go down the path of being a vegan for spiritual reasons or for personal beliefs. Every single diet and every single choice we make in life um, should be based on what we personally want to do and what we believe. Um, We all have different variations in our genes and and in our uh, body types and whatnot. So some diets are going to work for some people, some diets are going to work for other people. And any lunatic that tells you one diet is the best diet for everyone is that a lunatic. So um, look, let's take a deep dive now into, I suppose, distinguishing what is veganism versus say vegetarianism. Because there's a lot of people out there who are vegetarians. And when I first, you know, wasn't that educated in this space, I didn't really know the difference myself. And then when I had a bit of a look, it's a subtle difference, but it's a huge one. So vegans essentially do not eat anything at all that comes from an animal. So no animal matter, no eggs, no dairy, absolutely nothing at all that comes from animals. Whereas vegetarians will eat things that come out of animals. So they won't actually eat the animal, Alex. Uh, they won't kill the golden goose as such, but they will eat the eggs. They'll eat the dairy. Um, so that that's the major difference between the, the two types of people at the moment in this raging argument about whether or not we should be a plant-based diet-focused species or an animal-consuming species. Now, Plant-based is also a term that's being misused a lot. When you have a look at the, the documentary Game Changes, they never said the word vegan. Um, it was, wasn't until the end that they really demonized meat. And they made some ridiculous claims, and we'll dive into it in in an up-and-coming podcast. But I remember one of them was uh, that if you eat a hamburger once in a week, you've just undone all the greatness that you've done by eating a plant-based diet. Now, how ridiculous. So a little bit extreme, one could say. But a plant-based diet, what is that? That We need to distinguish that. For me, a plant-based diet is what most people should be eating, and that is 70% of their plate should be at least plants. Um, So I think it's a big difference between a plant-based diet and a vegan diet, which we'll dive into now. 
Adam, on this podcast, we talk a lot about how our ancestors, um, how they lived, and we try and adopt that to our modern life. Now, I know that seems crazy, but from past episodes, if you go back and listen, you'll, we'll talk about sleep patterns, you know, how to connect with nature, the type of exercise we should be doing, and, and then it doesn't seem so woohoo. It is about getting in touch with um, the way our bodies evolve because technology is going faster than we do. And when we look at diet, we talk a bit about this, but veganism... I would like you to talk to me about, well, how does that relate to our ancestors and how they evolved? I mean, were they eating only plant-based diets back then or were they eating more meat as well? No, you're exactly right. Neither of us have an agenda here. So that's the great thing. And, you know, science can't be argued with in this instance. We know that we are where we are today as the dominant species on this planet. Why? Because our brains are bigger than everyone else's. And how did our brains get so big? Well, it happened over a couple of million year period. And that coincided with the period when we were able to cook food for starters and where we ate lots of meat. Why? Because our brain's a very expensive organ. You know, it weighs roughly 3% of our body mass, yet it consumes over 20% of the calories we require on a daily basis. Now, for that brain to grow the way that it did, it required huge amounts of calories. Now, you know, gorillas, you know, might just eat plants all day, but guess what? They've got much smaller brains than what we do. Yeah. Um, and the reason is because they don't get enough calories for that brain to grow. And that's why they haven't evolved like we have. So for a human being to actually get the calories it needed just to sustain its brain size a couple of million years ago, you would have had to have chewed on plant matter for over 12 hours a day. Now, no human being would have had the capabilities just to sit there and chew grass for 12 hours plus a day. So the brain is a very expensive organ and it required a lot of nutrients to grow and evolve to the state that it is today. And that was done with meat. So, you know, we can argue that, you know, we evolved a certain way and we should stick to that diet and, you know, plants were the way to go. But science cannot be argued with as far as how we got to where we got today. Um, and, you know, there was deficiencies in our bodies. We died. And, you know, it's been proven time and time again that a vegan-based diet has lots of deficiencies. And that's the challenge with it. And that's what we're here to do today to hack into, teaching people that they can go vegan in the modern day era. They couldn't have done that back in the old times because of deficiencies like B12 and, and other things we'll dive into because there were no supplements. Whereas today you can actually afford yourself to a vegan-based diet and get away with it, even though you'll be deficient but you can supplement it. So the other the other problem we have, Alex, is also from an ethical reason, a lot of people say they don't want to eat meat, which I understand. We shouldn't be eating, I don't believe, factory-raised animals. Mm. They're very detrimental to our environment. But the importance is pasture-raised animals are a totally different thing. When you have a look at sustainable farming practices, this is crucial to the survival of our race moving forward. And I don't want to jump on a political, you know, donkey here and start, you know, beating my chest. But you know, soil erosion is one of the biggest problems facing us today. And there's 40 billion tonnes of topsoil lost every single year. And it's mainly as a result of ploughing and cropping. And guess what? You know, that's to feed us all these plant-based foods a lot of the times, like corn and soy and whatnot. So, you know, this isn't doing good for our environment. We need to find that balance once again and allow the animals to roam and forage and urinate and poop on the grass. And that regenerates the soil, which is very important, you know, yeah, soil and grass and that carbon capture. Yeah, this is what we need. So, you know, it's very, very interesting. And, and I, I think, you know, this extremism isn't not only good for our health, but it's not good for our environment as well. So if you're a vegan, like it's a great choice that you've made if that's what you believe in and everybody's different. Like I said, there are some outliers out there that have uh, polymorphisms in their, their DNA that allow them to thrive on, on a, on a plant only based diet. Um, but it, it's not going to really work for a lot of people. I know a lot of people who have gone 
vegan for a while. And then after a couple of months, they're feeling great. And all of a sudden they feel like crap because these deficiencies rear their ugly heads. So it's really about bioavailability. And and that word essentially means getting the nutrients out of your food to sustain you, to make you healthy, happy, and, you know, productive in the long term. And unfortunately, just surviving on one type of food and excluding others is going to make you nutrient devoid. So the main thing that we want to look for is supplementing certain things into our diet if we're going to go vegan. So this is how we need to hack a vegan diet. And the first one that's most important is B12. Now, you have to supplement with B12 because it's not found in plants. Um, It's only found in animal food as the real source. Um, And the best sources, ironically, are organ meats and eggs and dairy. And the problem with not having enough B12 is you're going to get heaps and heaps of problems, particularly like with brain fog, fatigue, um, you become anemic. So it's really, really important that if you are going to go down the path of not eating any meat, that you supplement with a really good B12 supplement. Vitamin B is also very good as people complain more and more about anxiety in um, a fast-paced world. Vitamin B is very good at keeping the brain function calmer so you aren't having such high anxiety uh, in your life as well. So it's another important one to have. I know they prescribe vitamin B to people just to take if they are anxious. 100% Alex. And, and that's another problem there. The deficiency of B12 and other vitamins in a vegan-based diet has been shown to have higher rates of depression and anxiety for people that follow this style of diet. So this is where hacking into these little things that you have to add to your diet are so important today. Adam, the number one thing I think of when someone says you need more meat in your diet is because you don't have enough what? Iron. So <laughs> what does a vegan do? Because they, I hear it a lot and I'm not being flippant. They say, no, you can get iron from other things like mushrooms and other bits and pieces. But I'd love for you to tell me, is that true? How does it work? I would love to know if I'm right or wrong or indifferent. No, no, you're very much right. So the problem you've got um, in particular with iron is it's it's bioavailability once again. So it's really, really hard, you know, for us to actually get the iron out of plant matter to be absorbed in our body effectively. So, you know, research has shown this time and time again uh, when they've tested vegans. Um, a German study recently found that 40% of women are iron deficient. So, um, you know, men, for example, um, in Australia, uh, where they did a test as well, that they found that um, vegan men were 50% uh, more likely to be iron deficient than omnivores. Um, so the challenge you have is that whilst they might be getting enough um, iron from food as such, it's not them converting into the body. So this is really, really hard. So, you know, other things that can affect the absorption of, of iron, which are pretty well known are things like coffee and and um, fiber and, and calcium supplements. So this might explain why also some vegans struggle with, you know, um, iron absorption. It's not so much how much iron you're taking in, it's the way you take it in on a vegan diet, your body can't absorb the iron out of it as well as it, let's say, if you had a piece of meat. Exactly. And this is the problem with all these extreme diets these days is they're not looking at food as its whole source. Right. And this is the problem with the supplement. You can get enough iron out of mushrooms and you go, yes, technically, yes, tick, you can. There is enough in there, but your body is actually not extracting it. That's where it is, is misleading. Perfect. It's a perfect description. That's what bioavailability is. And when you think about the human species, we didn't evolve by taking a capsule of something in isolation. You know, we evolved through getting the nutritional value out of these foods as a whole source. So this is the challenge that we've now got is where we're basically partitioning certain things out of food and saying this will cure everything. For example, you know, you take an ingredient which might be choline or or some other form of amino acid and say, well, this is going to help with all elements of health. But the reality is 
you know, our bodies are very complex. They don't work in subsystems. We work as a whole mechanism. So when you eat food, you know, the food's delivered totally different to how it's delivered in a capsule. So, you know, iron is something that, um, you know, we need to really get from ideally, you know, once again, organ meats are, are pretty disgusting sounding things. And I can only imagine a poor old vegan now just gagging hearing the word organ meat. But um, <laughs> reality is, is that, you know, one serving of liver has 36% of your recommended daily intake of iron. So it's it's quite amazing, isn't it? And shellfish are another great example of that as well. My mum always said to me, make sure you have a glass of milk because you'll need calcium for my growing bones. If I'm not having any dairy products, can I get bioavailability from a plant-based product for enough calcium for me to sustain that? Or is that not true? Was my mum getting sold something that, you know, milk companies were telling her and there's actually not as much calcium in milk? It's been a really interesting argument of late. And, um, you know, it's so hard to know what science is real and what science is fake. And, you know, I can only lean on some of the, the, the scientific research that I try to take a dive into and look at the feasibilities of the studies. Are they controlled? Are they not controlled? How big was the, the group that they used? Was the group randomly chosen to favor the results they want from research? No one of the average person is confused because I'm confused most of the time. But a research article I looked at recently, which looked very strong, showed that, you know, one cup of milk to get the equivalent of calcium from plant matter, it would take 33 cups of baby spinach to get the same amount of calcium to be absorbed by the body. So, you know, you might ask, well, why is it not well-absorbed plant matter? And it, it's due to these things in a lot of these plants, um, you know, which which are plant defense mechanisms as such. Um, Dr. Stephen Gundry, you may have heard of him. Um, he wrote a book called The Plant Paradox. And his argument is, is that we have to be very careful of the sorts of plants that we eat, Alex, because plants can't run away. This is his argument. They don't have teeth. They don't have strong strong claws to attack people that are trying to prey on them, particularly insects. So their defensive mechanism is releasing these proteins called lectins. And essentially what these lectins are is they're toxic. So this stops the the insects from eating them and sort of sends a signal to other insects that may want to eat them, don't come near me. But what the problem with these lectins are for the human body is that it's been argued that they actually cause problems with our gut health. They cause inflammation. So therefore eating things like nightshades, which are vegetables such as eggplants, peppers, um, tomatoes and potatoes uh, in particular. Uh, these are really high in lectins. Uh, legumes are really, really high in, in uh, lectins as well. So these will cause a lot of gut distress for potentially vegans. Um, so that that's his argument. And in spinach and kale, there's something called oxalates and, and phytates, um, which reduce the absorption um, of things like calcium from the vegetables being bioavailable in the human body. So it's a very complex thing, the human body, as we touched upon, and it's evolutionary once again, because plants didn't want to get eaten. They couldn't run away. They couldn't protect themselves. Yeah. So the smart little buggers started releasing these proteins, so self, which were detrimental own, to insects. Their own pesticide, if you will. Yeah, their own pesticide to poison, you know, insects from eating them. And now, you know, unfortunately, because um, we've over-consumed a lot of these foods um, over over generations, we're now starting to feel the, the repercussions of that. So, you know, gut permeability and gut health is one of the most talked about things in health these days. And um, if you pick up Stephen Gundry's book, you know, you'll be terrified to ever eat grains again. You'll be terrified to eat nightshade vegetables again. Um, you'll never eat beans. You'll never eat nuts. You'll never eat seeds. And I think that's just a ridiculous approach that, you know, that extreme approach. But um, to answer your question, yeah, vegetables can reduce the bioavailability of these important minerals and vitamins that we need in our diets. So one hack for someone out there who is a vegan and they're trying to up their calcium levels by just eating plant matter alone is to mix it with vitamin C. 
because vitamin C will actually help the absorption of calcium. So you might want to mix um, your spinach and your kale and whatnot with some tomatoes, which is high in vitamin C, or with some beans, which is also high in vitamin C, or, um, you know, God forbid, uh, have a glass of orange juice. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there, there's a hack. If, you, if you're really struggling to get your calcium levels up and the doctor says that you're low in calcium and you're on a vegan-based diet, mix it with some vitamin C for absorption. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Adam, the common ones I think about with diet, we have iron, we had calcium, and the other one that you've spoken to me a lot about is zinc. So again, on a plant-based diet, how does that fare for us? Are we getting good zinc? Are we getting not enough? Do we need to supplement? How does that break down and how do we hack it? Yeah, once again, the magical term bioavailability, unfortunately on a vegan diet, um, zinc is something that suffers as well. On average, about 35% less absorption of zinc um, from uh, vegetable-based uh, foods. Um, and research shows that vegans probably need 50% more zinc in their diet just to meet their basic needs. Now, zinc's an amazing thing because, um, you know, as far as hormone production, particularly for blokes, um, it's very important for testosterone production. Um, and I remember a number of years ago, there was a big doping scandal uh, with Marianne Jones and um, her secret supplement uh, with a number of other athletes in the world was a supplement called ZMA and it was zinc and magnesium combined. And uh, that's why they were breaking world records. So we now know that wasn't 100% the truth, but um, it just shows how powerful a supplement zinc actually was because some of the research done on NFL players, for example, showed once they supplemented with zinc, their performance went through the roof. So zinc's very, very important. Um, it's very hard to get in a vegan diet. So, you know, go out there and get yourself a great zinc supplement. Um, really important for your immune system as well, not just for your hormones. Uh, it's important for healing. You know, sometimes people get cold sores, for example. It's good for cold sores. And, you know, with the flu season, it's something that people probably should take as a preventative as well. And I know that you often talk about the importance of magnesium and I've heard that zinc and magnesium is a great one to combine together. So no matter what your diet is, those two, just as a hack in general, in case you've not heard other episodes, us talking about it, is taking a zinc and a, and a magnesium supplement because magnesium helps over 300 bodily functions is just so good for you, especially for muscle recovery. So you're talking about if you're a, a vegan, are we double downing on the dose or just a normal amount? No, just a normal amount should be fine. And, and and that's the other thing that we probably should recommend people to do as well is go out and get a full blood test done by your doctor. Go and challenge him and ask him some of these questions and ask him, you know, can I get my hormone levels tested? You know, can I get my inflammation levels tested? Um, you know, can you, you know, do a uh, full blood count? Um, you know, these are all sort of tests that you should go out and ask your doctor to do, not just the run of the standard mill blood tests that um, we normally get. Challenge, if you're not feeling well, just go out there and challenge the boundaries a little bit and maybe ask to do some more investigation into your general overall health. I think it's very important. We'll go away from the, the grazing animals and we're going to go to the ocean now because the other food <laughs> that I'm a big fan of and where I try and get a lot of my good fats from is fish. Can I get it all from a vegan diet? Well, statistics aren't going to lie again. And, you know, these are people's actual blood tests and, and results found from control studies that, you know, vegans on average have a 60% lower DHA and EPA levels uh, than uh, omnivore-style uh, diets. So it's it's really, really interesting and that, e EPA um, you know, DHA, that's the stuff that's part of omega-3s, right? Yeah, these are the omega-3s, which are crucial for brain development and protect us from a number of diseases from, you know, cancer to dementia, um, depression, um, you know, these things are hugely important for our health. And, you know, if I applaud anyone to sort of, you know, watch anything in their diets, making sure you get enough omega-3s because we know that inflammation is the root cause of most diseases in society. 
inflammation is rampant with our, with our lifestyles. So, you know, making sure we're getting enough EPA and DHA is so important, you know, particularly for kids with their growing brains, um, but also for adults um, and as we get older. So the problem with a vegan style diet, uh, once again, is that the, the, the most prevalent sources of omega-3s come from animals. Um, Grass-fed uh, beef has high amounts of omega-3. Um, oh, really? Also, I thought it was fish. Yeah. No, not just yeah. fish. No, no. So there's look, obviously, you know, there's great benefits of omega-3s from, you know, the, the um, you know, the sardines, the mackerels, the anchovies, oily fish and, and cold water fish have got huge amounts. Um, you know, shellfish are, are fantastic for it as well. Um, but yeah, obviously grass-fed meats are very, very high in um, omega-3s as well. Um, and the only way that, you know, vegetarians can really get their omega-3s is through um, an algae-based source of omega-3 because that's going to match up to the fact that it's not from um, an animal. Um, so algae, you know, is a great way for them to supplement their diet. So one hack to get around being deficient in omega-3 for someone who wants to go on a vegan diet is go out and find yourself a really good source of algae-based uh, omega-3 to What's supplement that, like, with. Like spirulina and things like that? Or is that just an omega-3 that will say on the packet with algae? I mean, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah an omega-3 that's based on algae. So, yeah, you're going to obviously get a lot of benefits from, you know, eating um, different types of um, plant matter, but... You know, if you're really trying to get the omega freeze up, algae seems to be the only one that um, you know will give you enough of the dose. And you know, the big problem with trying to find your omega freeze, like you hear it all the time. Like I have chia seeds and flax seeds in our Manshake products, but the challenge you have with um, your body converting the alpha lalonic acid, which is where um, plant matter um, stems itself to produce omega freeze, is that the body is a poor converter of alpha lalonic acid into omega freeze. So the body will only convert five percent on average um, of alpha lalonic acid into omega freeze. So this is the challenge, Alex, once again. You can go and eat chai seeds, flax seeds all bloody day, but if your body's only got an ability to convert a small amount of that into omega free, you're up the creek without a paddle. Let's touch on that actually. That's interesting because you also developed a man shake that is also vegan friendly. Is that because you're trying to help them combat some of these deficiencies that they don't have? The, the fact that you're going to try and put some of those nutrients back into a concentrated shake version so they can get this stuff into their diet? Well, it's a shameless plug. Thanks for it, though. But the oh, reality I'm is, that, curious. <laughs> no, no, I know. But this, well, it's it's a really great question because we developed a shake, and and the reason we did it to fall under certain government bylaws, and it just so happens to work well for vegans, is the fact that with all these deficiencies we're talking about today, my shake by law has so many of these multivitamins and minerals in the shake. So therefore, we have high amounts of calcium, we have the zinc in there, because I knew that these were all the deficiencies a vegan would have. And the other scary thing for vegans and a challenge that they face is exposure to pesticides and exposure to heavy metals. And we'll take a deeper dive into this soon, but they've just recently done a test on the most popular vegan shakes that are on the market. And some of them have up to 700 times the recommended amount of heavy metals in the Alex, which is mind-blowing because organic farm practices actually expose a lot of these plants to heavy metals. So the problem we've got is we're poisoning ourselves with heavy metals by ingesting some of these protein powders from overseas in particular. Um, you know, you know, you can go and look at the article. We'll put a link to it. But um, some of the most popular brands, which are household names that are vegan protein powders, mm. were found to have 700 times the illegal recommended dose of heavy metals in them. Now, that is bloody scary when you think about it. So heavy metals aren't particularly good for, for our bodies. And um, to see these products have that much heavy metal in them um, really made me want to go out and produce a product that was Australian made, Australian sourced, wasn't high in heavy metals, but also... It's all good and well just to take a protein-based shake 
for a vegan. But if your body's not absorbing the protein and not getting the vitamins and minerals it needs to sustain the rest of the things that you're eliminating from your diet, having work. a protein shake is not going to work. The food pyramid actually should be upside down. Good fats at the top and then grains down the bottom of the thin part. And it made me think about fat. I enjoy having something that's got a good amount of meat and good amount of fat on it because fat has vitamin A. How are we going to get fat in our diet, which is no longer demonized? It's seen as a good thing. What's that going to do to us? It's a challenge. And, and once again, it's a real challenge for a lot of the vegans out there. And that's why we're here to help them hack into it today. And you know, once again, vitamin A, for example, and vitamin D are probably one of the biggest challenges people who want to go on a vegan diet are going to, going to face. That's the reality. And, um, you know, vitamin D regulates so many things from inflammation to stopping cancer. And it's found exclusively really in animal foods like organ meats, once again, seafoods. It's a common theme. Eggs, dairy. Um, it can be found in mushrooms, but it's a particular species of mushroom, which is really hard to find the, uh, the bioavailability of the vitamin D that can be converted in the human body. Um, and then vitamin A is found in animal fats and organs as well only. So, um, you know, a single serve of liver um, once a week. So just have one serve of liver, you know, to get the equivalent level of vitamin A. Now, this is not the bioavailable amount of vitamin A, just the same amount of vitamin A into your body. You'd have to eat six cups of vegetables every single day. And to absorb the vitamin A, you actually need fat to do that. So it's trying to find a, a fat that um, is vegan friendly, which is a huge challenge in itself. All right. I feel there's a common thread happening. I actually do not want to be bashing vegans because it's a life choice. You can do it if you want. I'm trying to find the upside and I'm not seeing it. I think we've just got to get that balance. And, and you know, it's really like, like I was alluding to earlier. I, I think, you know, plants do so many wonderful things for our bodies. It's just this episode is really about educating people to say that if you're going to go with this all or nothing approach, beware. And you really need to know the hacks to protect yourself from failing. Because the reality is once you exclude things from your diet, you're going to have deficiencies. You're not giving your body everything that it needs. So, you know, if you want to go down this extreme path, I respect that. And, you know, like I said earlier, everybody is different. No one diet works for everyone. But knowing where these little challenges will pop up when you are deficient in certain things, being able to have these little hacks like what vitamins to take, what supplements to take, what foods to focus on should really, really be helpful for people. And, you know, it's, it's you know, not going overboard, for example, you know, just being aware of the problems because a vegan-based diet, you know, really promote now a lot of these meat substitutes, which isn't an issue which we'll dive too deep into today, but this is where I believe this war on food's like coming. Oh, 100%, Alex. In my personal view, I believe this is where the war on food is going to happen. You've got these companies that are making fake meats and they're making billions of dollars versus the Meat Growers Association, um, who make money from selling real meat, and they're at war now. They make, make no mistake that, you know, a lot of these documentaries and, and all the propaganda we're going to see in the coming years is going to be funded by these two groups. And, um, you know, the, the vegans will argue that, you know, a lot of the research around food and health has been funded by corporations anyway, and they're exactly right. So, you know, it, it's really finding that that common ground and trying to be more of a moderate in your approach to your diet. But, um, you know, a, another hurdle for a lot of vegans is the fact that they eat too many carbohydrates. And we know the problem with having too much glycemic variability in your diet, too much rise and fall in your blood sugar levels from eating carbohydrates. Now, that's the challenge with a vegan diet is getting enough protein and fats, like you alluded to earlier, mm. in your diet. And therefore, it sees you having to supplement. But the problem is, like I said before, when you supplement with some of these products and they're 
riddled with things like heavy metals and pesticides like glyphosate, which we now know the problem with glyphosate, for example, you know, that guy in America just sued um, the company Monsanto for $180 million because they proved that he was given cancer from that. We now know that glyphosate, when they tested a lot of the products that come off supermarket shelves in America, um, from Ben and Jerry's ice cream to oats to muesli bars um, to all these breads that they contain 10 times the amount of glyphosate that is recommended for a human to consume. We now know that glyphosates do what? They burn a hole in your stomach. We now know what does a hole in your stomach lead to? Autoimmune disease, yeah. all these other things. So yeah. as a vegan, I feel really bad for you because you're really navigating not only deficiencies in your body, but trying to find really good food sources. And um, it's a really, really big challenge for people out there. And that's what we're here to help, hopefully. And I want to talk about soy. That's probably one of the biggest replacements um, for people who aren't drinking milk. And for no, I know for a while when I was sort of having too much milk with my coffee, I would go for a soy coffee. And I know there's some risks around there if you have too much, too much estrogen, things like that. If you're having no dairy at all, what's it look like when you're having a heavily soy-rich diet? Well, look, coconut would be my go-to if I was a vegan. You know, um, coconut creams, coconut milks, um, I would avoid soys. Um, you know, for me, you know, they are hormonal disruptors um, and they can really disrupt hormones, particularly estrogen and thyroid in particular. How, Research how are they a hormonal that. disruption? What happens to you? They're a hormone disruptor because of something called uh, photoestrogens, uh, which is found in all forms of soy. Um, so this affects your manliness, <laughs> for want of a better word. But, um, you know, the other other interesting thing too is, um, you know, we're eating a lot of these um, meat substitutes, like I said to you before, thinking that, you know, they're better for us. Um, and it's a bit like the stat around gluten-free diets. You know, gluten-free products essentially are 280 times more expensive and on average have eight times more chemicals and additives and preservatives. And that's the problem we've now got yeah. with a lot of these meat substitutes. Look, if you're going to go vegan, don't try and eat these substitute things, you know, be fair dinkum and don't eat sausage, yeah. you know, don't eat meat, you know, don't, don't eat fake meat. So, and they're full of, of soy. So, um, yeah, w w once again, they're very disruptive to our um, immune system um, and, you know, farming practices as well, you know, heavy metals, um, uh, pesticides, herbicides, um, you're going to expose your body to a lot more of these when you ingest too much soy. So and I think it's interesting. I mean, we're not bashing veganism. You're just saying like with anything, you go extreme, there are things you need to be aware of to try to counterbalance it because that's what happens to anything extreme. Like if you only ate meat, it's the same thing. You're going to have a problem. So when we look at the next generation, the generation is going to take after us. What should they be doing? I mean, are you going to see, are you, are you worried about vegan diets creeping into schools or, or are we going to see the future of maybe not as many animals and we're going to see, you know, beyond meat and sort of fake meat being quite predominant as the next generation grows up? Yeah, I, I think, um, as we become more and more time poor, unfortunately, we're affording ourselves to be influenced by people that aren't necessarily the most educated or the most well-equipped to give us this information. And I think a good example of this, once again, is this movie Game Changers. I can't believe the amount of my mates who are now coming to me and saying, I'm thinking of giving veganism a crack. Look, I've got no problem in the world what you choose to do with your diet, but be very careful what source of information you choose to actually make these choices. And with all the propaganda and social media we're confronted with now, I don't see veganism going away. I see it growing larger and larger as the years go on. Um, I know myself, we're in supermarkets and there's some rumors out there that supermarkets are going to decrease their footprint of actual meat in them significantly to replace that with vegan-based foods. Now, like I said before, I'm all for a plant-based diet. I think that we don't eat enough plants and enough vegetables and fruits in particular. And 
This is proven, you know, eight out of 10 Australians have been proven not to get their daily recommended five serves of vegetables. So it's a great thing that we're promoting eating more vegetables, Alex. I think that's a great thing to celebrate. We just need to be very careful of the extreme approach that some people want to go to um, and tie themselves to the feeling of belonging to a group. What we always speak about, humans, you know, the third most important thing on Maslow's hierarchy of needs outside of shelter and food is belonging. Mm. And that's what people want to do. They want to belong to something. So tagging yourself as a vegan is very trendy. So, you know, I just don't want to see kids bought into this. That's my biggest concern. I've got no problem with an adult who has free will to choose whatever they want to do. I applaud you. If that's what you believe in, go do it. And it may work for you, it may not. But when you bring children into this, this is my concern. The evidence is there. We did not evolve to where we are today without eating food from all sources. And then when you exclude something like meat, which is so important, and something like seafood, which is so important for the brain development of children, I believe it's child negligence. Not allowing kids to eat meat and only allow them to eat plant matter is absolutely dangerous. And research shows it time and time again. You know, research shows that kids who are fed a vegan diet up until the age of six have much higher rates of terrible diseases. You know, there's some reports out there that show their chance of developing things like leukemia go through the roof. Um, it takes them years and years to repair the damage of being deficient in a lot of these vitamins and minerals which we spoke about today. For example, B12, you know, kids that went on a vegan-based diet for several years after they become non-vegans were still deficient in B12. So the human body is a very complex thing and going and all of a sudden trying to change how we evolved as a human species and then thrusting that upon ourselves is bad enough, but doing it to kids is just, for me, very dangerous and not morally very sound. If anyone has a question for you, they can hit you up at themanshake.com.au or the Manshake socials. And, um, and Adam will send you out a Manshake or a Lady Shake pack if your question makes it to the podcast. Thank you so much for everyone who um, comments on the podcast, helps us grow. And of course, hit up Adam and told him about the Game Changers documentary that allowed us to do this episode today. Without you listening, we don't create this. So thanks so much. Adam, we'll hear from the tribe more in the next episode and I'll speak to you soon. Speak to you soon, Alex. Thanks again. Health Hacker was created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Written and presented by Adam McDougall. Produced and presented by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. To listen to more episodes, search Health Hacker Podcast. Listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.